We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the September 2nd, 2018 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week, brought to you by the FFPC and SquadQL. I'm Blair Andrews. You can follow me on Twitter at AmITheRealBlair. And my co-host is Hassan Rahim, who you can follow at HRR5010. Hassan, how's it going? Fantastic. We finally made it. It's the final show that we're going to do before the NFL is back. I'm really excited. How about yourself? Oh, yeah, I'm totally excited. We had a ton of kind of not really surprising news come in with all the cuts and, uh, you know, getting down to 53-man squads. So we'll definitely discuss some of that. I'm especially excited to discuss it with our guest today. Joining us on the show is Eric McClung. Eric is the editor-in-chief of the Roto Underworld World Famous Draft Kit and a contributor to Number Fire. Eric is also the host of the Roto Underworld Game Night on Friday nights on rotogrinders.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Eric McClung. Eric, thanks for joining us. What's up? Hey, it's going great. Um, yeah, with all the cuts, I'm glad I was not cut from the podcast. I was uh, retained and uh, and here tonight to, to do it, so very pleased. And yeah, can't wait for the NFL season, can't wait for DFS, as you mentioned. Yeah, Roto Grinders, the, the Roto Underworld is invading uh, the uh, the much beloved Roto Grinders. If you play DFS for any amount of time, you're certainly very familiar with Roto Grinders. So Friday night, Come for the Swolecast, and then stay for the Roto Underworld game night. Uh, I will be hosting alongside Matt Kelly and Ben Gretsch, uh, one of the, the many great uh, Rotoviz alums. So, yeah, I've got the entertainment. I've got the uh, the information, everything you want in a DFS show Friday nights on Roto Grinders. So definitely check that out. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Be sure to check that out. Uh, let's get right into the first news item, uh, the most important happening over the last week. Jarek McKinnon tore his ACL while making a cut on the final play of Saturday's practice and will miss the 2018 season. Uh, It's uh, obviously an unfortunate development for McKinnon, who many were expecting to be the workhorse running back for the 49ers. And obviously we wish him the best and a speedy recovery. But, um, you know, in his absence, uh, we have to find some running backs to uh, fill fill in the gaps. So the 49ers signed Alfred Morris in August. Um, I guess, how do you expect the opportunity to be split between Matt Breida and Alfred Morris this season? Uh, and do you think they might even look to add another running back before the season starts? Yeah, well, let's get the obvious out of the way that this really sucks. <laughs> this sucks. 
uh, you know, if you're a Rotoviz subscriber, if you're a Roto Underworld subscriber, in all likelihood, you have been a Jarek McKinnon truther for quite some time. Uh, so yeah, this is this is really really terrible. And Jeremy McNichols was cut as well, so that uh, that option is out <laughs> of San Francisco too. So that uh, that also really sucks. But um, yeah, I mean, between uh, Morris and Breda. I mean, I don't know. I mean, throw a couple fab bucks on each guy, roll with whoever you get. I mean, anybody that pretends that they know exactly how this is going to break down, I think is just trying to fool you. I think the guy that's getting ignored and overlooked in this happens to be the best receiving option in the San Francisco backfield right now. And it's a guy we haven't mentioned, and that's fullback Kyle Juszczyk. Career high 44 receptions last year. He's a guy who caught some balls in Baltimore as well. Matt Breida has been a terrible pass catcher, a 58.3% catch rate uh, as charted by player profiler. That is bad uh, for (laughs) any way you cut it for a running back. Uh, He was 45th among the position, one of the worst among qualified uh, targeted running backs. So um, if you want to come up with the generic uh, analysis that Alfred Morris is the grinder and Breida is the third down receiver, I don't think that's correct. Um, I think this is a really ugly mess, and like I said, throw a couple fab dollars, or you know, if you have a waiver priority, put it on, put it on both, and, and see what happens. And, and maybe you're right, but I, I don't think that there's really a clear answer here. This is going to be a very green, game script dependent thing, and I do think use check is, is going to be uh, kind of the thing that kind of blows up uh, any kind of value that either one of these guys has. Yeah, I'm really with you on on Kyle Juszczyk. He has actually put on some pretty impressive performances in the past, like you mentioned, over on for Baltimore and then over with the San Francisco 49ers. What actually really stood out to me, uh, the game from him that really stands out to me back in uh, last season was his bouncing of the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, where he, you know, Saw five targets, caught five balls for 76 yards. He was the RB 23 on the week. As you said, I think that just his very presence kind of caps the receiving upside of either running back. Uh, as you mentioned, Braid is not a particularly good one, and Alfred Morris isn't known for catching the ball. So I think Yushik really kind of curbs any appeal either really have for me over in um, PPR leagues. I have taken a bit of Breda before his price completely skyrocketed. He was a candidate for the zero RB list. So I luckily I got a little, a little bit of him in best ball. I snagged Alfred Morris off waivers in a couple of structured leagues. Uh, myself dropped exactly nothing for him as a just as a hope. I didn't even spend any fob. Let's just see how this plays out for me. Yeah, it's a mess. And by no means is that a Kyle Juszczyk endorsement. Although I know uh, <laughs> Peter Overzap is uh, is streaming at his phone right now to to get all the Juszczyk, but. Um, and it was uh, 44 targets last year, but he did catch uh, 33 uh, passes and only got seven carries. So he was definitely a guy that they wanted to throw to more than uh, they wanted to run the ball. So, um, yeah, it's just a, just a sticky situation all around. Yeah, he also saw the most targets of any running back after Garoppolo uh, started playing. Uh, you saw him throwing a lot more to use check than to Brita or Carlos Hyde. So. That's a little bit interesting, but, you know, you kind of <laughs> mentioned it isn't an endorsement. I was going to ask you to sort of put your money where your mouth is and tell me where you'd be drafting use check. No, I mean, if you could get, like, the San Francisco RB as a position, like, that's <laughs> that would be okay. Because <laughs> uh, it's going to be just sort of like this Frankenstein monster mishmash kind of thing on a weekly basis. And uh, I mean, maybe we'll have some clarity after a couple of weeks. But, you know, as for right now, like I said, I mean, I... It, it sucks coming up and, and saying, oh, no, but, I mean, that, that's pretty much the case. It's, uh, you know, this is going haywire. You know, San Francisco themselves is, is scrambling, and I think your question of if they're going to sign somebody, uh, you know, I think is, is pertinent. I, I definitely think that's in the cards, but until that happens, um, you know, we just kind of have to evaluate the situation for what it is right now, and it's, uh, yeah, there's just not really much clarity. Yeah, there's been rumors that they might be looking to trade for Amir, uh, Abdullah, because I think that the previous GM was the same. Uh, the 49ers GM was the same guy that drafted Amir. Uh, could someone correct me on that one? I think there's a front office guy because uh, Lynch wouldn't have been. I don't think Lynch has any front office experience prior to San Francisco, but 
Uh, I think there is some sort of like a personnel guy. But yeah, there is some sort of connection. I do recall seeing that as well. So, uh, but I mean, it's getting kind of late in the game. I don't know, maybe they were just hoping that Abdullah would, would be cut, and he was kind of a one of the more popular candidates to for that to happen. That did not transpire, though. Um, at least at the time of this recording. So maybe they were had their fingers crossed that that would take place. I don't know. But yeah, there's certainly some some dots that you can connect. Uh, but you know, if they're going to do that, they're uh, you know they're starting to run out of time. So it looks like just uh, yesterday, or today even, Breed is going in around about the seventh round in MFL 10s, if any are still going on, and Morris is in about the eighth round. Are either of those guys uh, worth drafting in those rounds? Uh, I mean, Morris in the eighth, I mean, I guess that's okay. That's probably where I would I would tend to think that he would be the guy. He's got familiarity with, with the, uh, the system and whatnot. Um, I mean, Breida just two, but uh, Morris has been, you know, had uh, some really successful uh, years of Shanahan and Washington. So I think that's a little bit more meaningful. And, you know, like I said, the, the catch rate on Breida, Breida, whoever is, is just so bad that, um, you know, he's <laughs> he's not the answer as the receiving back. So yeah, Morris would probably be the guy that I would want. And if you're saying he's going a little bit cheaper, that, that would probably be the route that I would go if I really needed to take it to one of them. John Gruden's return to the NFL thus far has involved a series of puzzling moves. The Raiders traded away Khalil Mack for a bevy of draft picks from the Bears and acquired A.J. McCarron from the Bills for a fifth-round draft pick. The Raiders also traded a third-round pick for Martavis Bryant, who was cut from the Raiders yesterday. Eric, how would you say the offseason has gone for the Raiders? And if you own any Raiders in fantasy this season, are you concerned for their production? <laughs> uh, the offseason? <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> Oh, my God. It's uh, I mean, it's going probably about as bad as anybody could imagine. Um, I mean, John Gruden has a 10 year contract and he is certainly acting like it, like he's uh, not going to be going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, the Kalomac trade, just absolutely ridiculous. This is a trade that Madden 19 would not even accept. A pair of first rounders, a third and a sixth for Mac and a second, which makes giving away two firsts a lot more appealing. You're getting a second rounder back and a conditional fifth round pick. Uh, Raider fans all over Twitter are spitting this is that, you know, he's not worth the money. His demands are too high, blah, 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 blah. You know, there's a salary cap. How can we can afford car and Mac and, you know, Cooper in a year or two and all this other stuff. Uh, here's the truth. That, that is all garbage. If you listen to former front office guys like Andrew Brandt, uh, Joe Banner, they're going to tell you very easily that you can afford about eight to 10 star players under the salary cap, just like Khalil Mack is a star player. And also have a highly paid quarterback, just like Derek Carr, if you have a front smart office and you can manage the salary cap. Oakland, this year and next year, has the ninth most available free cap space. So they could do this if they wanted to. They have the fifth most cap space in 2020. So the real question, and if I'm a Raider fan, the, the real long-term concern I have is Mark Davis and the cash flow that the Raiders have or don't have. Now, Mark Davis is rich. He is a millionaire, but he is easily, easily the little kid at the owner's tables because they're all billionaires. OK, so, you know, and that was a big reason why the Raiders never got they were never considered to be part of the L.A. stadium that the, that the Chargers and Rams are going to be playing in. Now, maybe when they move to Las Vegas, this will clear up, you know, some of the dollars and cents issues for them. But, you know, you've got well-respected guys like Lewis Riddick on Twitter questioning the cash flow situation with the Raiders. Um, you know, Mac was traded and he got $60 million up front in, in the blink of an eye. And, you know, Mark Davis, that might just be over his head, especially as much money as he's sunk into John Gruden over the next 10 years. So that, I think, is really what's going on here is I just don't think the Raiders were for this, especially with Murray Cooper's job in the near future. But to go back to your original question, Raiders and fantasy. Uh, you know, there's guys going around where Amari Cooper goes that I like a little bit better. Adam Thielen, if you like a super safe guy, Larry Fitzgerald as well. So I haven't really taken much of Amari Cooper. I do think, though, Marshawn Lynch, who goes a round or two later, I think he's a pretty good value. And once they actually started using him uh, about the second half last year, put up some pretty good numbers over on Flavor Profiler, the game charting that we do. Marshawn Lynch finished first in juke rate, second in innovative tackles, and third in yards per carry. Uh, I'm sorry, yards created per carry, uh, again, according to the game charting that we do with Player Profiler. 
for cheap tight ends, I think Jared Cook is a little bit interesting as well. So I think there are some guys. Uh, Carr himself, I've never really liked very much. Um, very, very touchdown dependent. Does absolutely nothing on the ground, even though I think he has a decent 40 time, I want to say. But just not a guy who's ever looking to rush the ball. Um, so that that's a, a negative for him. So just not not a guy that I'm too crazy about. And I do think that this offense is, uh, as John Gruden is very proud to talk about, wanting to uh, to turn the clock back and probably going to run Marshawn Lynch quite a bit. So I, I think he's gone at a, a pretty reasonable to uh, to good value this year. So I do like him, and I've got him in a number of spots. But other than that, no, I haven't really found uh, much love for the Raiders. So Hassan wrote uh, an article on Friday that on Rotoviz about how Amari Cooper could lead the league in targets. And uh, with the, you know, Martavis Bryant being cut, this looks even more likely now. I've also done work on wide receiver bounce backs, and it looks like Jordy Nelson is not, <laughs> he doesn't, he's not really in the best position to, to have a bounce back season. So, I mean, Cooper is available in like the third round. I think that's pretty good value for someone who, you know, could possibly get, well, I don't want to say, you know, well over 150 targets, I'm hoping, this season. Uh, I think that's pretty realistic. Um, yeah, in the uh, the Roto-World, uh, the, the world-famous draft kit that you, you mentioned at the top there, yeah, we have Murray Cooper as the 27th wide receiver. Um, we have Mike Evans in front of him. I would I would probably take Cooper above Evans, uh, but you know, Stephon Diggs, Larry Fitzgerald, Devontae Adams, those are some of the guys that are, are right, right ahead of Murray Cooper, and I, I do like them. More so. Um, yeah, I don't – leading the league in targets, I mean, I don't – my only question would be is how committed the Raiders are, are going to be to to, uh, to passing the ball, I guess. Um, but with this Mac trade and just essentially giving up on defense now, maybe they have to <laughs> throw the ball <laughs> a lot. Uh, that's certainly possible now. Uh, and I'm sorry, I should say we have Murray Cooper 27th overall, not the, not the wide receiver 27th. My apologies. <laughs> on that, that really wouldn't make a lot of sense. But uh, – <laughs> But, yeah, again, I, I do – other than Mike Evans, I would pretty much agree with, with the way that we have him ranked here. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not a, like a never Amari Cooper guy like a lot of people have turned into. I, I do think that, uh, you know, brighter days are, are ahead for him. I just don't <laughs> – I just don't know if it's going to be this year um, until Gruden really gets a kind of snapback to reality of, you know, what the NFL really is right now. I'm not very high on Drew, John Gruden, if you if you can't tell by now. Uh, but I think if you're maybe a little bit more optimistic, then then uh, yeah, you know, maybe you could bump him up a, a little bit more here. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just just not really feeling it. Yeah, it's been kind of frustrating watch uh, Amari's price rise this entire offseason. He was going around in the late fourth uh, when MFL tens kind of opened up, and he was uh, someone you could actually grab you know, fairly regularly in the fourth and he's dipped into the fifth sometimes just because people got really burned by him last year. But uh, in the in the article that Blair mentioned and Ben Gretchen made the point before as well, we have evidence that like Amari was playing hurt for the first six weeks. Not only was he on the injury report on Rotor World getting, um, you know, treatment every Wednesday and then he was mysteriously taken off Thursday, then he'd play Sunday and then he'd do nothing. So when you look at the splits, uh, as I did for his yards per target over those first six weeks, he's at something below four yards per target for the first six weeks last season compared to his like uh, rookie and sophomore seasons where he's hovering around a nine, 9.5 yard per target mark. And then his first game where he spends no time on the um, injury report was uh, uh, the Wednesday in injury report was the week before they played the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, if you remember that Thursday night he just you know he saw just a ridiculous amount of targets just torched the Chiefs just up and down um, he, he was kind of a volatile wide receiver three and then uh, he just suffered a horrific concussion against the Broncos and just never got right and he still kind of still put up wide receiver high wide, high end wide receiver two numbers to finish out the season I'm hoping that a boatload of targets goes Amari's way. I'm not optimistic about this team particularly being good. Uh, I haven't really looked into de how Derek Carr performs in negative scripts. I don't think he performs particularly well. All, all that means is he's probably going to be airing the ball out more, which would 
leave him open to throwing more ints, which will be uh, pretty impressive considering that, uh, you know, if they're expecting the, their offense to do the job for them, I don't think that's going to get it done. And then they don't have any defense to stop the opposing offenses. So this is going to be a two-way attack on themselves, which will be pretty impressive to watch this season. Yeah, I do, I do think those are good points in, yeah, in terms of the injury. And, and one thing that wasn't uh, when Gruden was brought in is he was talking about moving Amari Cooper around, like putting him in the slot and other other, you know, uh, you know, flipping around different sides of the field, that kind of thing. Whereas he was pretty much a, a stationary guy, uh, more or less, uh, you know, earlier in his career with Oakland and was always, you know, the top opposing corners were always pretty much locked in on him because they, really, they weren't very creative with that. So if they do bring a little bit more creativity, you know, 16, then, uh, yeah, he's, he's really got nowhere to go but up. One other thing Hassan mentioned in that article that I thought was really interesting is that the Raiders ran the lowest percentage of two wide receiver sets in the league last year. And, uh, you know, if Gruden is at all serious about sort of going back to a 1980s playbook, then you would expect that percentage to rise, you know, in a big way. So uh, that would mean less competition for Cooper uh, when he's on the field, Um, you know, presumably more more targets coming his way. Uh, Just another reason to think he could... You know, he could do really well. Um, But I wonder if with Bryant being cut, if any of you are taking another look at Jordy. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, not really. I mean, I'd rather have him on the team just as like just for tactical value. I mean, I wasn't interested in him for fantasy purposes. Uh, But I mean, those kind of guys that just kind of run go routes and clear things out and that type of thing, those. You know, those guys don't really matter per se in, in terms of uh, I want to start them on my fantasy team, but in terms of the tactical value that they bring and just the respect that defenders you know, have to pay for those, you know, have to put on those kinds of guys, I, I think is important, um, you know, especially if you're, especially if you're Jordy Nelson. But um, no, not, not really too crazy about it. Um, no, <laughs> it's mainly. Yeah, Mari in the right spots, or you know Lynch, like I said, or, or Cook super late. I haven't really given much much consideration to Jordy. Yeah, I really like the Jared Cook call. I think he's my most owned tight end uh, in best ball leagues. Uh, I got a question for you guys: Who are you taking as the backup running back here? Doug Martin, Jalen Richard, or DeAndre Washington? For sure, sure. for sure, no question. Yeah, I mean it should be. <laughs> it should be for <laughs> Uh, but I mean, they seem to really, really like Doug Martin for whatever reason. Um, so, I mean, in terms of who's going to score more fantasy points, I guess I would say Doug Martin, but in terms of what they should do, um, yeah, I mean, I like Richard. I mean, heck, I like Washington more than, than Martin at this point, but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess you'd have to go Martin just cause it's John Gruden and that's what he's going to do. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, if I was, uh, you know, if I had any input in the decision, um, yeah, it'd be one of those other guys. I mean, at the value that Martin is going to give you, that you could project for him to give you, uh, you'd almost rather have like the more binary outcome of Richard. Either he does nothing, or he kind of hits in a big way and is their third down back, and you know, not quite a league winner, but uh, provides a lot of excess value. That's what I'm thinking. All right, before we get into no shit, shit, no, I want to take a brief second to tell you about our good friends at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. With just just days left in the 2018 fantasy draft season, the FFPC has a format to suit every diehard's interests and budget. Whether it's best ball or super flex or classic managed leagues, there are dozens of live drafts filling all day long, starting at just a $35 entry fee. Don't miss the FFPC experience, Rotoviz listeners. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. Uh, another quick reminder that you can support the Rotoviz Radio Network in our 10 live shows per week. No, that's wrong. Ugh. Also a quick reminder that you can support the Rotoviz Radio Network in our 10 shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Live, our weekly Sunday morning video show answering all your fantasy questions. Patronships start at just $5 per month, and provide exclusive access to Rotoviz Live. That's four shows per month on top of 40 podcasts for just $5. 
Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high-quality, industry-leading programming. Yeah, and speaking of exclusives, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 30% off a Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available to the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. The season is almost here. Make sure you're ready. Gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools. You get amazing value. You support and you support the podcast network. Once again, that's rotaviz.com slash podcast. All right, now let's get into no shit shit no. First item up, Bears GM Ryan Pace said tight end Adam Shaheen will be placed on injured reserve. Well, I guess it's a no shit because that is factual. Uh, that is what's <laughs> going to happen. Uh, but if you've been taking Trey Burton or if you've been stashing Trey Burton on Dynasty Leagues, I'm, I have my hand raised. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, you don't like injuries, but this is good news for Trey Burton. It's big news for Trey Burton. Uh, he's got a pretty secure role. Uh, now it's not, uh, you know, pretty much his show in the tight end position uh, for Chicago. And, you know, there's been, you know, kind of hot takes and whatnot that he could be a guy that could lead this team in receiving if, if Allen Robinson is, uh, you know, maybe not the guy that we saw earlier in, in his career catching a bunch of garbage time touchdowns. So, uh, yeah, this is big for Trey Burton. So yeah, if you if you got Trey Burton, you uh, again you, you don't like players getting hurt, but this is uh, a pretty uh, fairly significant development for him. Dolphins coach Adam Gase believes second round tight end Mike Gesicki is ready for a starter like role. Uh, I mean, shit, no. This is a rookie tight end, and I'm pretty much gonna. <laughs> this is a stock answer for any rookie tight end. Uh, for, for me, Gusecki, despite, you know, just completely shattering the combine, just still too pricey for me in dynasty leagues. And really, there's just no need to take him in, in redraft leagues. So it doesn't really move the needle for me either way. Is there a tight end on that league that should have a starter-like role, you think? In Miami? No. No, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> Is Devontae no. Parker now a tight end? Yeah, he was yeah. Parker. They, they, uh, what career? Should they he have a starter-like role? <laughs> That's debatable. I don't know. He needs to get out of that. <laughs> he just needs to get out of Miami. I don't know. Eagles coach Doug Peterson confirmed Jay Ajayi will play against the Falcons in week one. Yeah, I mean, no shit. I, I think Ajayi's going to be okay. Uh, yeah, I think the real concern for people is his usage, which was a little weird once he was traded to the Eagles midseason. Uh, but it did pick up, including the playoffs. Uh, he played for the Eagles a total of 10 times. Uh, on only five occasions, he was given double-digit carries, but all five of those came in the final six games that he played with Philadelphia. Corey Command is not really built like a receiving back, even though he's made a lot of highlight plays as a receiver. Darren Sproles is 35 years old, you know, coming off a pretty significant injury last year. I think Ajayi is a pretty nice value as kind of that second-tier running back uh Layer starts to starts to filter out. I think Ajayi is a pretty good value, so I think he's going to play. I think he's going to get more uses than we saw last year, and I think he's been a pretty decent value this off season. Yeah, earlier this off season, I wrote about uh, the AJ Ajayi being a potential workhorse, looking at the uh, average margin of the game uh, from from his rushing and receiving splits, uh, and how his usage carried over into the playoffs. I think the biggest positive here is addition by subtraction. Now that Legar and Blanc are no longer there, they're just going to hand a lot of work over to J.H.I.E., but I think there's enough leftover work for Corey Clement. And I think a lot of this comes down to, like you mentioned, Darren Sproles and his health questions. If uh, Sproles really somehow is a superhuman and comes back to 35 after the horrific injury that he went through, uh, he's going to sap a lot of uh, upside for both Ajayi and Clement. Otherwise, I think Clement is a very interesting uh, later round uh, stash candidate, I guess, after Ajayi's gone. According to ESPN Colts reporter Mike Wells, fifth round running back Jordan Wilkins is the front runner to start if Marlon Mack is unable to play against the Bengals in week one. Well, no shit. I mean, who's left? Uh, my man, Naheem Hines, who I, I loved, but quite literally fumbled away <laughs> on multiple occasions. Anytime, any real opportunity he had to, to get a significant mix for this job, to get into that mix. Robert Turbin is suspended. Mac, as you mentioned, is banged up. Uh, Kristen Michael is Kristen Michael. Um, on DraftKings, though, Wilkins, uh, he's at home against the Bengals. They were 30th last year in rushing success rate on sharp football stats. Wilkins is only 
$3,700 on DraftKings. So week one, he could be a play if, uh, yeah, if Mac can't go, it's, uh, it's going to be Wilkins. So, um, yeah, I like, I thought he was a pretty decent, uh, buy in Dynasty. He was going pretty late. So I liked him there, you know, redraft. It's, it's kind of a, a mess. So I don't really have a ton of them there, but yeah, I'm certainly, uh, checking the situation out. Yeah. Week one on DraftKings, it could be, uh, could be a pretty good buy. Brandon Marshall has made the Seahawks 53-man roster. Well, no shit, because, again, that is factual. Uh, it, that is a true statement. <laughs> uh, but if uh, if Doug Baldwin is okay, and fingers crossed, because I've got a lot of Doug Baldwin, uh, Scott Bishopole included, uh, Tyler Lockett has always been a very intriguing big play guy. Uh, you can't forget about Jerron Brown. He was a guy that they saw play. He, he played against them twice a year. He, you know, He's a former Arizona Cardinal. They added him pretty early, I believe, in free agency. So assuming that Brandon Marshall has a reduced role, is he going to be happy with that? You know, he's not always been the most content guy. Uh, he had to give up his other job, the co-hosting inside the NFL because of the, the lengthy travel that had been, re- been required from Seattle to New York. He, you know, made some statements. He seemed a little bitter about, you know, how little attention he got uh, in free agency. So, you know, is Marshall really going to be content? Um, you know, he's, he could be one of those guys, uh, you know, we've seen him be very good for a number of years. And if he catches a, a touchdown or two touchdowns in week one, everybody's going to be like, oh, my God, added for Brandon Marshall in drafts. But that's exactly what's taking place. It's, it's almost like he doesn't exist anymore. Um, you know, he was, uh, you know, many, including myself, didn't really think he was even going to be on the, on the roster at this point. So the fact that he's here is, is very significant. But, you know, I like the guys that are in front of him. And if Marshall isn't happy in a couple of weeks, he could be, you know, back in his bag. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. The Jets have released running back Shark Andrick West. Well, no shit. I mean, you know, they've got some other guys that they like. It's kind of funny. Do you remember earlier in the offseason when Bilal Powell was rumored to be the guy that was going to be on the, the cutting block? <laughs> he was the guy who was going to get out, sent out of town. Well, now he looks like he might have gotten past Isaiah Crowell on, on the depth chart. We've seen Trenton Cannon be pretty good in the preseason. He's gotten some buzz uh, or in training camp. Uh, Elijah McGuire had a couple moments last year, so you know they, they've got they've got some guys that they like. Uh, you know, West was uh, you know pretty late addition, so you know one of the first guys that they got rid of. Uh, so not not really a big surprise. D'Angelo Henderson also has ended up on the practice squad. Any interest in him? On the Jets practice squad, no, not really. Um, no, you know, I think Powell's Powell's been a great value. He, he's the guy that uh, that you want here. Crowell, I think, is is a little bit interesting, but you know, they've been talking about the hot, you know, riding the hot hand and whatnot. Powell's got some receiving ability. I think that's definitely the guy there. So, you know, pending some sort of injury or something, I don't, I don't really think that uh, it's really going to get beyond Powell and Crowell. Rico Gathers has made the Cowboys 53-man roster. Yeah, slow clap for Dallas. This, uh, you know, was a guy that was rumored to uh, that they were going to cut. The coaches don't like him. Blah blah blah. So, I mean, no shit that they thankfully made the right decision here. He was also arrested for marijuana possession, which is, you know, ridiculous. Whatever. That, that's a whole other podcast topic. How how silly uh, we are as uh, a country with that, but. Uh, moving on, you know, gathers, yeah, it made a lot of sense. I mean, I, I love, uh, I love Michael Gallup. I've been on hashtag team giddy up all off season coming into the draft, whatnot. He was one of my favorite uh, receivers heading into this, but Dallas needs playmakers. It can't just be Michael Gallup and Alan Hearns and whatever else. Uh, Bill Beasley is, I guess, a little bit interesting, but not, not much else going on there. Even if Rico gathers can't block and he probably can't, but whatever, put him in the slot, run the seam. You know, he, let him be a poor man's Jimmy Graham or whatever cliche you want to go with, with tight ends that can't block. But just get him the ball. We've seen him blow up in a couple of preseason games uh, over the years. It, it's a time. Let's see if Rico Gathers can really play when it counts. So good for Dallas that they actually <laughs> kept him. It didn't seem like things were, were trending in that direction. So they made the right move. Hopefully they, they get him on the field and, and give him a couple targets. Sony Michelle participated in positional drills Sunday. Well, this could go either way. Um, I would say shit no, because it sounds like they still are leaning towards sitting him in week one. If that is the case, Rex Burkhead, who they've pretty much kept in bubble wrap since his uh, earlier injury scare, he's only 4,200 on DraftKings. He's going to be a chalk play 
uh, if Michelle is indeed ruled inactive for week one, which it seems like that's where we're headed. You know, if you, if you drafted him in, in redraft or dynasty, there's really nothing actionable here that you can really do with this. Uh, you just kind of have to sit and hold tight. But if you're playing DFS, Burkhead is, is probably going to be a very popular option week one if indeed uh, Sony is no go. Texans placed running back Dante Foreman on the reserve pup list. Yeah, no shit. I mean, an Achilles injury that, that Foreman had, that is that is no joke at all. Lamar Miller has been a solid value all offseason. And, uh, yeah, because pretty much this this has kind of been the way things have been headed. It, it looked like Freeman, or, excuse me, Foreman was not going to be ready for, for the beginning of the season. Uh, which, just as a reminder, check your league settings. Even if you're in a, you know, in a redraft league, take a look, see if you've got an IR or any kind of injury designation type of position, because you know Foreman might be a guy that you could, you could stash right away and, and you know, put that put that slot to some use. So I know I'm in a my home league in, in Yahoo, even though it's a it's a redraft, we, we do have an injury slot because you know once they made the the NFL made the, the rule change where you can bring guys back to the season from the IR, we included that. So after the draft, I went ahead and, and threw Foreman right on there. So uh, check your league settings. But, yeah, this this isn't a surprise at all. You know, if you've got Lamar Miller, you can breathe easily. But it seemed like this was going to happen all along. Uh, we'll see. Because Foreman, you know, we're going to forget pretty quickly here. But it definitely looked like he was nipping at the heels of Lamar Miller uh, for, for his job. His usage kept going up and up until that unfortunate Achilles, which I think happened on, like, a long TD run, too. I think is where he got hurt. Uh, Foreman was, was definitely looking pretty nice there for, for a while. So not a name, not a name that you want to forget. Uh, but if you got Lamar Miller, you know, you're, you'll be okay at least till midseason, and then we'll reevaluate. Bills have waived Corey Coleman. Well, this isn't shit. No, this isn't no shit. This is just shit out of luck. Uh, that looks to be the case with uh, <laughs> Corey Coleman. Uh, poor guy broke his hand twice in Cleveland. Uh, reports are that he had a bad attitude when he showed up in Buffalo. Uh, that attitude probably is what got him traded when he <laughs> pretty much demanded it more or less uh, from the Cleveland front office. You know, there's been plenty of reports that he really doesn't know how to play receiver all that well uh, because of how they, they execute things over in Baylor. We've seen other Baylor players not, not uh, transition very well. So, yeah, just uh, just unfortunate. Uh, you know, he's been a guy. If you're into <laughs> if you're into prospects and and uh, measurables and all that stuff, Goldman's been a, a real intriguing guy for a little while here, and it just looked like bad luck for for a period of time there. But uh, yeah, with this trade and dump, and yeah, it's just not looking too good. If he gets, uh, you know, if he lands somewhere, this is probably going to be his last opportunity in the league. So, you know, maybe uh, maybe in a year or two in the XFL fires up their fantasy leagues. Maybe Corey Coleman will be a part of that, but not looking too good uh, for the NFL, unfortunately. Are there any places you would like to see him end up that you think could maybe revitalize his fantasy value? Well, I mean, we talked about Dallas just a few moments ago. I mean, they should bring him in just because he's a, (laughs) he's a person that's played wide receiver. Um, So Dallas would, would make a lot of sense. Um, Yeah. I think that, you know, they're, they need receivers. So, yeah, I'd, I'd certainly give him a call. Speaking during the preseason finale on Thursday night, Buccaneers GM wouldn't guarantee that Jameis Winston will be the starter when he returns from suspension in week four. I mean, shit, no. I mean, that's the biggest shit, no. Probably this whole offseason, right? I mean, Winston's going to play as soon as he comes off suspension. They're just trying to sound like, you know, yeah, I mean, I guess unless he gets into more trouble, in which case he's, you know, probably just going to be suspended even longer. But, uh, I mean, this isn't, I mean, they're not this stupid. I mean, they did take a kicker in the second round recently, but I don't think they're that this dumb. I think they're just trying to say the, the quote-unquote right thing. But Winston's going to play right away. Uh, I mean, I I was there for the Fitzmag- through the uh, Ryan Fitzmagic run a couple years ago with the Jets, but definitely didn't look like the guy when he had the opportunity. Didn't look like that same guy when he had that uh, you know an opportunity with Tampa last year when uh, when Jameis was out for for some games there, but. No, I mean, this is just ridiculous. Winston's going to play right away. The Saints have signed Mike Kilisley to a one-year contract. Yeah, I mean, this is interesting. Um, I'd say shit no in, in terms of this really meaning a whole heck of a lot. Um, you know, Jonathan Williams was a big guy that uh, people wanted to take at the end of drafts, which which made a lot of sense. But, 
you know, once we saw his preseason usage, especially in the last game there, you pretty much saw the ring on the wall that he was a guy that was going to get cut. Sure enough, that is what happened. So the rookie Boston Scott wins out. Shane Vereen, if you uh, remember him, he was put on injured reserve, uh, but the Saints did pick him up in the in the offseason. So we don't have to worry about him. Uh, Gillisley, you know, maybe take some touchdowns or just some overall grunt work kind of stuff that, uh, you know, you don't want uh, Alvin Kamara, you know, banging around too much anyway. So this is uh, pretty much just an early season fireworks show for, for Alvin Kamara. No real worries there. Um, Gillisley, no Gillisley, Ingram, no Ingram, whatever the case is. Um, you know, maybe it means something if uh, he gets sort of the, you know, your, your dead to me treatment that uh, Willie Sneed got. Last year, talking about Ingram and, and Gillisley sort of fills that role, but I mean he's nowhere near as good, so I don't, I don't think it really matters a whole heck of a lot. Are you looking for any sort of early season fill-in on the Saints for when Ingram's out, or you think Kamara's just going to get all those touches? I mean, they should just give it to Kamara, but I mean at this at this point, I mean you're right. I mean unless you took Jarek McKinnon, uh, you're more or less pretty like your your rosters should be okay like where you wouldn't even need like even if you took Williams late in drafts like let's say you did that I don't think it really made a whole heck of a lot of sense because your roster should be healthy where you don't really need that fill-in guy like I could see you have it's week four and your starter has a hammy and it's going to be out two weeks okay now we need to plug in this temporary guy and fill fill that space that way but beginning of the season, you really shouldn't need to play a guy like this, if that really makes any sense. So, um, you know, unless you just, you know, you took Geis and you took McKinnon and you're just like, you know, ready to just jump out a window and you need somebody, um, that's really the only situation where you're going to start a guy like this anyway. Um, so hopefully you're just not in this situation to begin with, um, which is why I really didn't care about Williams one way or the other. Um, so no, this shouldn't really change things. And if it does, your team is in such bad shape that, uh, you know, I feel bad for you. (laughs) Raiders placed undrafted free agent running back Chris Warren on injured reserve. Well, yeah, that's, uh, that sucks, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I guess no shit. Uh, yeah, it's uh, and we were talking about this kind of before the show with with how they, they treat IR and if uh, I mean this one seems legitimate, but there's a couple guys that uh, kind of kind of get uh, sashed away on IR that uh, you know it seems a little bit questionable. Maybe this is just guy they want to keep around and, and not uh, not cut and risk getting picked up elsewhere. So yeah, I mean this pretty much just solidifies Doug Martin. I would say is. Uh, you know, as the backup, not not somebody you need to own, but you know, if anything happens to Lynch, I do think he would be would be the guy. The Seahawks have placed tight end Ed Dixon on the reserve slash NFI list. Well, I, I found out that there are Nick Vanette truthers, so maybe I should throw this guy throw this one back to you guys. Uh, I didn't know that that was a thing, but we were talking about Nick. Uh, Nick Vanette and some of his combine measurables, and uh, he's a somewhat of an interesting player. So, uh, so maybe this is, uh, yeah, maybe this is better handled by you guys. Maybe, maybe we should talk a little bit about Nick Vanette. He's a person that plays tight end for the Seattle Seahawks that doesn't have anyone really available in terms of targets. Uh, ben Gretsch and I co-own a team in the Rotoviz RSO League, and we won Nick Vanette as one of our tight ends in the free agent auction. I just think that you kind of want the tight end on a team that is helmed by Russell Wilson, who, you know, has been kind of banned uh, in terms of not really propping up wide receivers or not really supporting more than one. But realistically, I mean, he's still a kingmaker at tight end. You kind of all you need is a guy who's able to be a red zone option for you, particularly in deepish leagues. Vanette kind of becomes very interesting given that. There's going to be no addiction for a little while. We don't know if Brandon Marshall is going to really bounce back. Uh, I frankly don't think Tyler Lockett is going to have as great of a season as people are convinced he is because of the raw targets being there. I think Jerome Brown will actually surprise a lot of folks. And why not take a look at a guy who happens to be on a roster where they've freed up a lot of their targets, especially now that Jimmy Graham is no longer on the squad. 
Yeah, and Vinette, uh, unbeknownst to me, he was a late third-round pick. So he's got a, they've got a little bit of uh, quite a bit invested uh, third-round pick. Nothing to nothing to sneeze at. And uh, on player profiler. Dot com, 85th percentile agility score, uh, 56th percentile catch radius. He's got kind of small hands, but very long arms. Uh, he's got some speed, so real interesting. Yeah, I, I know they – it's interesting. Luke Wilson was a guy who you know had a real nice uh, workout metric profile, um, and he was a guy they would always sometimes kind of leak, kind of they would roll Russell Wilson out, and then he would kind of leak out and kind of go – follow the same path downfield that Wilson would. And uh, they, they caught uh, they caught my 49ers sleeping a couple times on touchdowns that way to tight end. So, yeah, Vinette, I think it definitely could have a, a little bit of a role. So glad you brought him to my attention. You know, maybe one of those Min-Sal DFS plays one of these weeks when they, uh, you know, play a, a future defense or something. So glad, to, uh, glad you brought him to my attention. Let me just be the voice of reason then. Uh, eighth percentile college dominator rating, so he wasn't even a pass catcher in college. And we've seen enough teams just, you know, basically not even use the tight end, like the Jets a couple years ago. Um, the uh, the Cardinals almost never used one. Um, so it's, uh, you know, not necessarily smart for teams to, you know, not have a good pass catching tight end, but teams definitely get away with it um i'm wondering if maybe they might be able to use marshall sort of as a jimmy graham fill-in uh you know if he's i don't have high hopes for him bouncing back at receiver but if he's you know running a lot of routes against linebackers or something maybe that gives him a little bit of an edge um but i don't know i just don't really have high hopes for nick vanette or really for any any seattle tight end uh, <laughs> I like Tyler Lockett. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of Nick Vanette talk. Uh, yeah, I do. I do like Lockett quite a bit as well. Uh, but yeah, it's just. Uh, I mean, it, at this point in time, yeah, it's just important to know kind of who's in, who's out, and you know who some of these names are. So, uh, yeah, good, uh, good lightning talk there. But yeah, maybe uh, maybe the last time anybody will will speak of Nick Vanette. <laughs> Jake Kumaro has made the Packers 53-man roster, which brings their total wide receiver count to eight or nine, if you believe what Hassan says about Ty Montgomery. Right. So I guess this is uh, shit. Know that it's realistic to expect them to carry this many receivers. You know, we were hoping hoping at this point to get some clarity. Um, I know you, some of you guys were thinking that perhaps this is uh, maybe a little bit uh, of a uh, – of a Randall Cobb insurance uh, policy uh, if he's really not uh, not all the way back yet. So, um, you know, I mean, if you need a, a cheap Green Bay receiver, I think Geronimo, Geronimo Allison is the, the third third option or, or second option once Cobb inevitably goes down. Uh, I think Allison has been a pretty good uh, pretty good late late round selection this offseason. But yeah, I mean, we just don't know what uh, you know how this is really going to shake out. We really didn't expect to see all this happening. So. You know, my, my initial thought is maybe they're just waiting for this first wave of cuts to go through, and then they'll sort of pick out the guys that they want and then dump one or two of these receivers. There might have been maybe some – I don't know, there's some sort of shenanigans here. Maybe they're trying to sneak somebody through through you know, onto practice squad or, you know, something like that. Uh, but obviously they, they have a lot of guys that they like. Uh, just remains to be seen who's actually going to stick around. But uh, it's hard to imagine they're going to carry this many receivers. Yeah, it's actually kind of impressive that uh, eight have eight have made the squad. Um, all three of the rookies that they drafted uh, made the squad, including uh, late round selections uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling and uh, Equinemius St. Brown. Uh, I know Jamon Moore didn't really show much in preseason, but I guess he must have showed enough in camp uh, with Rodgers, and he must have shown enough in the final or the second last uh, preseason game where they were pretty confident that they made the right decision in him. Uh, I think Ty Montgomery should be treated more as a hybrid. Mike McCarthy has been talk, talking a lot more about how he is, uh, you know, interested in deploying Tymo in that hybrid role. Uh, and, um, you know, we discussed a few episodes ago about how Cobb was seen in a walking booth and he finally admitted that he had a, an ankle surgery. So there are concerns about his health uh, as we go into this uh, off season. I mean, Geronimo Allison is kind of interesting, so I wonder if this move indicates that they're not completely sold on him being a viable 
wide receiver three. I think there's, like you mentioned, Eric, there's just a lot of uncertainty here, and I think we got to monitor what happens next as we go on. Want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you'll need to crush your friends and rivals this year. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. You may ask, how does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster and your league scoring system. SquadQL provides waiver and trade recommendations, plus the app gives you player rankings each week, and it's all based on your league settings. SquadQL truly is your go-to app this fantasy football season. Head to SquadQL.com to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy football manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading fantasy Daily Fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android. All right, moving on to the next news item. The Chargers brought back 38-year-old tight end Antonio Gates. This move was expected considering that Virgil Green and Sean Culkin were the only tight ends on the roster following cutdown. Uh, Hunter Henry will also begin the season on the pop list rather than going on IR, so there's a possibility he will make a late-season return. Uh, so, Eric, what impact do you think Gates has on this receiving core, and do you expect we'll see Henry on the field at all this season? You know, I don't really make much of Gates coming back. I, as you mentioned and alluded to, it's yeah, pretty much uh, was considered something that was bound to happen anyway. I think on Yahoo, they always had Antonio Gates connected to the – like, if you go into the draft room, like, Gates, Chargers, tight end, like, it was always there, like, all offseason. I don't know about the other sites, but – I do remember seeing that on Yahoo. So uh, pretty much everybody saw this coming. I don't think it really, really matters. I mean, Keenan Allen is definitely the guy that's going to gobble everything up in, in, in uh, you know, we'll San Diego uh, with the Chargers. So uh, the, the Hunter Henry thing is a lot more interesting to me, the fact that he's not going straight into injured reserve. So I think it would be kind of crazy to do this. Um I mean, it's also weird because it's with the rule, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, with the rule changes to IR that they made, you know, a couple of years ago now, they could have brought him back anyway. So I'm not sure exactly the what the nuts and bolts behind this designation is, but he definitely raises an eyebrow. Uh, am I going to draft Antonio Gates? No. Uh, am I going to stream him? Yeah, maybe. I'm, you know, I don't have the, the Chargers uh, schedule in front of me, but... You know, there might be some matchups here and there. Uh, Gates looked pretty bad last year, so, you know, I don't know. There's really not much not, not much to see here. Um, you know, I wasn't too excited about Virgil Green, even if this was uh, his uh, tight end. Uh, <laughs> you know, even if he was the un, quote-unquote unquestioned tight end uh, for the Chargers, I don't think it really was going to make too much of a difference. So, you know, I don't know. Is, can Antonio Gates sort of Jimmy Graham his way into like just a bunch of touchdowns, you know, here and there, and not do much else? Maybe, but probably not. I'm not gonna, like I said, I'm not gonna touch him in, in any draft situation. If he's been cut in a dynasty league, anything like that, no, I'm not not interested. Uh, uh, but uh, he's a name that everybody knows. So if he scores a touchdown or two in in the first, you know, week or so, it's, you know, people are gonna be interested and they're gonna pick him up, but. I don't think this really, you know, I don't think this really matters. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong, because I probably am, but I think that the significance of him going on the pup list means he can come back after week six, whereas if he were on IR, it would be week 12, I want to say. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. I don't know if those numbers are exactly right off the top of my head, but yeah, I, I, yeah, that would make sense. I, I do think there is, yeah, he probably could back could come back a little quicker. From PUP, but I mean, is that even realistic? Where he, you know, I mean, I know we've seen some pretty amazing recoveries from ACL, and, and Hunter's uh, Hunter Henry's happened, I think, literally in the, the very first day uh, um, of their uh, their training camp or mini camp or whatever, you know, whatever it was. So, in terms of like a timeline, he's got you know the the, the longest, uh, or however you want to look at it, you know, he's, he would come back the earliest, but. I think this is still super, super optimistic. I mean, even if the Chargers, you know, the team that's got the worst luck I've, I've ever seen over this last de- decade or so, um, you know, even if they make a playoff run or, you know, or, or contenders late in the season or whatever the case may be, even bringing Henry back for that is, I mean, that's still, you're still talking about a long shot. So 
it, it's still super interesting that, that they're doing it this way, but I mean, this seems sort of, you know, a, a real hope and a prayer kind of thing. So I, I think that's more meaningful than anything, but it, at the end of the day, I still don't think it really means a whole heck of a lot. Yeah. Do you think it's going to be Mike Williams is going to see the lion's share of red zone targets here? I get if you like Mike Williams, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that, that could be a way that they go. Um, I don't know. It's, I'm not too, I'm not too fond of him either. Um, you know, I just, Keenan Allen's been the guy that I've, I've been taking up in, in a lot of drafts. So, um, you know, him, Melvin Gordon, those are pretty much the, the guys that you want. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Mike Williams is sort of the de facto kind of a tight end ish guy, just in, in terms of red zone and stuff. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, if a guy's only a, a quote-unquote red zone weapon, that's uh, usually a knock, meaning they can't do <laughs> much else. So, um, yeah, it still doesn't really doesn't really do anything for me overall. Even uh, you know, not not being a Mike Williams guy, I don't know how you how you guys feel about him. But um, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe there's a little bit of glimmer for for him. I mean, at least he, he looks healthy and whatnot, which was definitely not the case at all last year. So. Could mean anything. I, I mean, I like uh, I like Tyro Williams quite a bit. So I think hopefully that's the way that uh, the Chargers go in terms of a secondary option in, in, the, in you know for the wide receivers and tight ends would be Tyrell would be the, the way I'd want to do it. But uh, I'm not the coach, so I don't get to make those decisions. But um, yeah, Gates Williams, yeah, those are guys that uh, I'm not too uh, Mike Williams, anyways. Not, not guys I'm super interested in. I was pretty comfortable getting Mike Williams earlier in the offseason when his ADP was way down in the double-digit rounds. Like, you could get him almost at the end of some best ball drafts. Uh, but just as the offseason has gone on, he's become a lot more expensive, and Tyrell Williams is still kind of hanging around. So kind of shifted, uh, you know, who I was going after based on their cost only. Um you know, I mean, it's really hard to predict who who they're going to uh, want to lean on more. Uh, I like Tyrell Williams too, but he kind of didn't get the same targets uh, last year. We saw probably, I mean, almost all of that was because Allen was healthy, but it's just, uh, you know, I was hoping for a little bit more from him last year. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping they lean on Melvin Gordon a little bit more in the receiving game. Uh, last year, he had 76 tar- targets through the uh, fantasy season. He caught about 52 of those. Uh, you know, he's a very, very viable receiving option on that uh, on the Chargers. Realistically, if you want to just go by raw target share, he kind of comes in as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three, in addition to being the running back one. The guy sees a ton of opportunity. He's kind of maligned as a guy who could barely run between the tackles or you know just an inefficient runner but i i think that we should just put all that to a side and really just be focused solely on his raw opportunity and his raw usage in the receiving game which really makes him a very very attractive uh end of the round one selection really uh, you know it, it would not shock me if he puts together a top three running back season and uh if you really want a hot take, provided he stays healthy, maybe even finish as DRB one. What do you guys think on that one? Yeah, that's that's a hot take. Uh, yeah, RB one for for Gordon, but yeah, I, I I do like your line of thinking there, and yeah, I mean it pretty much just you know pretty much ties a bow on on what the situation is with the Chargers. It's it's Keenan Allen, it's it's Melvin Gordon. There's not really a ton left for other guys. So you know even if even if Gates was. Uh, uh, you know, not 38 and hadn't spent the, the whole offseason, uh, you know, at home or whatever he's doing. Uh, there's just, yeah, there's not much, uh, not much room for, for other guys to, to get much here. So, yeah, like Gordon, you know, yeah, there's been plenty of knocks on him, you know, as a rookie, not scoring touchdowns and is, uh, you know, the yards per carry, all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't really matter because we're not getting fantasy points based on yards per carry. It's just the total amount of yards, a total amount of touchdowns, a total amount of touchdowns. Those are the things that really matter. So, um, yeah, you can kind of throw all that to the side. It's a guy that they do like and, and want to throw to a lot. You know, there's there's Eckler in the mix, uh, Johnson in the mix as well, you know, sort of more insul- uh, ancillary guys. But, 
you know, if Gordon is going to lose anything, it would be receptions, I guess, to those guys. But, you know, he's still a guy that I've been pretty comfortable with. Uh, you know, you mentioned late first round. So that's certainly no problem at all if uh, if he's there to, to scoop up Melvin Gordon. But, yeah, just ultimately, I just don't think there's really, you know, there's not really enough oxygen left <laughs> after uh, after Keenan Allen and, and Melvin Gordon uh, suck up all theirs. It's just there's just not much for, for Gates and, and some of these other guys. Carson Wentz is not being cleared for contact, and Ian Rappaport reports that Nick Foles will be the week one starter for the Philadelphia Eagles. Eric, the Eagles are hurting as the season kicks off. Not only are they still waiting on Wentz, Alshon Jeffrey is set to miss the first two weeks of the season. How do you think this offense will look until Wentz returns? Well, when Wentz returns, then, yeah, I mean, I've seen some stuff that, you know, even week two could be in question. If you, um, Dr. David Chow does some excellent articles on sports injuries for the San Diego Tribune. So if you're not familiar with him, I definitely would uh, correct that. Uh, He's written up some great stuff. And he said pretty much all along this whole offseason, and the reason why I don't have Wentz anywhere is he said it is just, it's not going to happen that Wentz is going to be, you know, close to 100% for for week one. It's just not something that's going to be in the cards. Wentz, now it wasn't just an ACL, but he he damaged four ligaments in his knee. So that is super, super significant. Probably a guy who's going to be in a knee brace for the rest of his career. So even when he is healthy, I don't know if we're going to see that same guy, uh, man on fire, you know, for uh, for last year, uh, for much of last year until he got hurt. So, uh, yeah, Wentz is not a guy that uh, I've been picking up at all this this off season. Uh, so this doesn't really affect me one way or the other. Alshon Jeffries also a guy I was not very keen on either. Uh, Nelson Aguilar has been a guy. However, uh, Aguilar has been a guy that I've been scooping up in a lot of places. So. Um, how does all this affect uh, uh, the Eagles? Uh, I think Aguilar, Aguilar is a big winner here uh, for the first couple of weeks without Jeffrey. Obviously, though, you would prefer to see Wentz than Foles, who uh, it seems like the uh, after the Super Bowl, uh, the carriage has turned into a pumpkin very, very quickly for him. Uh, he's a pretty, 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 pretty bad. So. Um, Aguilar is still, you know, still a value. If you've got uh, a draft or two left to go right before the season, I, I think he's such a great value. Then we'll pull the trigger on him. Um, I'm not really an early tight end guy, so um, you know I haven't been uh, haven't been going that route uh, for Eagle players. So yeah, Aguilar is the, the guy that pretty much uh, had a circle around this off season and, and would continue to do so if I had another draft or two left. So. Yeah, hopefully Wentz is back by week two, although uh, the article I read from from, uh, from the Dr. Chow there, he was even a little bit pessimistic about week two. So maybe the best thing for the Eagles is just to wait till Jeffrey and Wentz are, are both fully back, and then you've got, uh, you know, every, every, you know everybody's uh, you know ready to go, and uh, the, the battleship is uh, fully operational. So see what happens. Uh, but, yeah, for, for me, it's uh, it's been Aguilar and continues to be. Yeah, um, Hassan mentioned off-air, even with Foles expected to be the starter, the Eagles are still favored against the Falcons by two and a half points. Um, So, I mean, it appears that, you know, Vegas doesn't think, you know, Wentz or Foles matters that much for how this offense functions. I mean, the Falcons were one of the best teams last year, too. Um, Do you think we should expect less you know, firepower from this offense while Foles is the quarterback, or are you not that worried? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to in terms of the passing game. Um, yeah, I mean, Ajayi, you know, we, we talked about him being a, a potential workhorse and, you know, a candidate to, uh, you know, to really see a, a huge increase in carries. That would make a lot of sense. Um, you know, they still have, uh, by pretty much anything you read, the best offensive line in football. Uh, so that's that's a huge positive. The defense, you know, still going to be a good unit. So, you know, they, they can certainly get by um, and win some games. Maybe that's what, what Vegas is, is, you know, banking on as well. So some of this 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 Wentz uh, pessimism, though, in terms of not playing Week One, is is a little bit new. I think just within the last, uh, you know, just today rather as as we're recording. So I don't know if the lines have necessarily had time to to adjust yet to that. So that'll be definitely something you want to keep an eye on here in the next coming days. So, uh, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, 
probably good news for for Jaisi, you know, getting him ready for just a lot of carries early on and, and just kind of weather the storm a little bit. So, so I guess you could throw a Jai in there as 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 a beneficiary in terms of the receivers. Though, like I said, Aguilar is a way to go there. So, um, yeah, I mean, Jeffrey, there was a, so much optimism, it, 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 despite you know a, sh- a sh- shoulder surgery. That's a lot harder to say than it, than it sounds. But um, you know, I, I don't know. That's just shoulders. That's a that's a tough one even for receivers so i was a little leery there and a lot of his value was all kind of touchdown based anyway it's uh, so there's been, been a lot of issues i've had with with jeffrey and, and his price so I've, I've shied away for those reasons so yeah i think if you've had if you if you picked up a jai especially uh in, earlier on where he was even more of a value i, I think you got to feel pretty good about that he's certainly going to be the guy that i think they're going to be leaning on quite a bit what are your thoughts on mike wallace though Oh, uh, no, I mean, not real. I mean, best ball league, you know, I mean, that's, I guess, kind of the, the stock answer. You know, he makes a lot of sense in, in best ball leagues where, you know, you could, you know, uh, you know, catch a bomb here and there. But not really. Um, you know, we, we talked about vertical field pressure guys. I think he's got a lot of tactical value for those purposes. Um, it makes sense from a real life football standpoint to add. I think he's a, still still a decent guy. Uh, still a decent player, even a, a little bit more of an advanced age. So I think for for X's and O's, I think it made a lot of sense to bring in Mike Wallace. But for fantasy, I just you know I, I can't see ever you know banking on him, especially if this this time period where Jeffrey is out, we're gonna you know we won't have Wentz. If that's happening, then you know I think the the easier completions to Aguilar is gonna and, and running the ball a lot with a Jai is probably gonna be the prescription for Foles. Um, so you know the, the that window where Jeffrey's out. If there's no Wentz in that, you know, in that uh, to kind of fill that vacuum, I don't think Mike Wallace is, is really going to make too much of an impact um, until we get Wentz back. In which case, we're probably going to have Jeffrey back, and then the whole thing just kind of falls apart. So <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of strings connected here. Um, but early on, yeah, I think it's a Jai, I think it's Aguilar, and that's uh, pretty much it. All right, well, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Eric McClung. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, at Eric McClung. Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on iTunes and subscribe to our Patreon. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub drink and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub salad or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community. This September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub drink and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub salad or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community.